Masechet Pesachim, uh, we're going to do Daf 120 and 121, and uh, hopefully uh, get to the end of the Masechet, but we'll leave off the last two lines so we can do a uh, siyum later in the week. So we begin with, uh, we mentioned the statement of Shemuel before, uh, that was the last thing we did. Shemuel said, and maftirin achar masa afikomin, that after masa, you cannot have dessert. The Mishnah had said that after Korban Pesach, you cannot have dessert after Korban Pesach. Uh, one of the reasons is you shouldn't have an after party and go around, uh, you know, drinking and do like what the Greek uh, symposium uh, symposia did. So that's halacha, no Pesach, uh, no dessert after Pesach. However, what do we do nowadays when we don't have Korban Pesach and we're just eating masa instead? So Shema applies the same law, even though we don't have Korban Pesach, no dessert after masa. And so we brought a challenge from our Mishnah because the Mishnah sa- sounded like it was saying only after Koban Pesach you cannot have to have dessert, but after Masa it would be allowed. So we answered no. It's now there's no problem from the Mishnah because the Mishnah was giving a lomi baya kamar, a, a needless to say style, saying needless to say that after um, Pesach, which has a strong taste, and you might think since it has a strong taste, I can eat something afterwards and it won't dilute the taste. It's giving a different reason why not to have dessert because you don't want you want to keep the taste of, of Pesach. So needless to say that, also that after Masa, meaning of course after Masa, which has a small adult taste, that you are not allowed to have dessert afterwards because then you would lose the taste of Masa. So in fact, the Mishnah is not a, is not a challenge. Um, it's saying one part of the Halacha, but it's true for Masa as well. Okay, good. Now we're going to bring a proof, attempt to bring a proof for Shemuel. Nema Mesaya le hasufkanin v'adubshanin you are allowed to fill your belly with sufkanin. Uh, we call you know sufkaniot. That's where it comes from. Sufkanin. Uh, you see the letters here. Sponge, right? Samech gimel, right? It really comes as actually the Greek word for sponge. So that's the actual translation. Sponge cake, uh, or other other cakes that's fried in uh, oil and honey and honey cakes. You can fill your belly with them if you want to eat. So in other words, they are desserts. As long as you have a kezait masa after that, afterwards. That's exactly what we do. We have the meal. We have all our cakes and fruit and desserts. And then we keep the, the what we call afikomin, is the masa afterwards uh, to have it last. So you go. This is a proof for Shemuel that even though we don't have Koban Pesach, you still eat everything beforehand and you have some masa, the last thing. That does seem to be like a good proof for Shemuel. But then Magimana says, You can have the masa first, but you cannot have the masa. You can have the masa last, but you can have not have the masa first and then the dessert after. So it looks like a good proof. Now we're going to say it's not necessarily a proof. Maybe this statement also is said in the needless to say style. I don't even need to tell you that you can have masa first and then the dessert after because then you're eating the masa with an appetite and you're supposed to eat the masa with an appetite, not stuff your not stuff yourself if you're already full. So of course you're allowed to do that. But I might have thought that if I have the dessert first and then the masa after, that's a problem because. Now I'm eating gasa, excessive eating. I'm like stuffing it down my throat. I don't want it. And I won't fulfill the mitzvah that way. Kamash Malan, 
this statement here comes to this Tosefta, comes to teach that it's okay, but you could do it either way. You could have the masa first and then dessert, or dessert and then masa, and either way is okay. So maybe it's just giving us that chidush. It's not necessarily a proof for Shemuel. Okay, so that's the uh, the first statement. But now we have another version of Shemuel, the opposite. Mozutra matnehachi. Amad av Yosef, Amad av Yehuda, Amad Shemuel. Again, the name of Shemuel. But this time, you are allowed to have dessert, right? After Masa, you can have the last Masa, you can have the Mitzvah, say the, eat, the, eat the Masa for Mitzvah, and then you can have dessert afterwards. According to this, Korban Pesach, that's true. You cannot have dessert after Korban Pesach. But we don't have Korban Pesach. We only have Masa in its place. So it's not the same. We don't apply all the laws to, to be it. You are allowed to have dessert. Okay, so this is the opposite version of Shemuel. And now whatever we brought as a question before, we're going to bring as a proof. And whatever we brought as a proof before, we're going to bring as a challenge. But we're going to deflect both of them. So we'll go through the exercise. Maybe the Mishnah, our Mishnah, is a proof for this version of Shemuel. And Mishnah said, you cannot have dessert after Pesach. Only after Korban Pesach, you cannot eat anything. But after Masah, go ahead and you can have dessert, right? And that would be a um, proof for Shemuel. No, maybe not. Lami baya kamad. It could be using the not uh, needless to say style. Lami baya achar masah de la nafish ta'ameh, avala achar pesach emala kamashmalan. Not only after Masah, where you don't have much taste. And in that case, I might think maybe I cannot. But after Koban Pesach, I would say you can have dessert. Therefore, the Mishnah teaches that both are okay. Both after Masah, uh, sorry, both, uh, uh, that only after Koban Pesach is a, is a no, yeah, right, that both, both are a problem. Both after Masah and after Pesach, both you cannot have dessert afterwards. And it's telling us Pesach, because I might have thought otherwise, since it has a strong taste, I might have thought it's allowed. Therefore, it says Pesach is not allowed. And of course, Masah is not allowed. So since I could interpret it that way, it's not a proof. I can't use it as a proof for this for a version of Shemuel. It's not a disproof either. The Mishnah is simply ambiguous. Hold on. Now I'm going to bring that Tosefta I brought before as a challenge to this version of Shemuel. All these sweet cakes, you're allowed to fill your belly with them. As long as you eat a kezayit, the masa at the end. So you see, this seems to be a challenge. You have to have masa kezayit, the masa after the dessert. That's a challenge to Shemuel, who said that you can have dessert after masa. Right? No, not necessarily. This is not not a not a good challenge. Lami bayakama. We can read the Tosefta also in the same style of as of course it, it, of course this and even that. Lami uh, I don't even have to tell you that you can have the masa first because then you're eating it with an appetite. But I might have thought to have it afterwards is no good to have the masa afterwards because then I'm already full from the cake and I'm stuffing the masa down my throat. It's not considered a mitzvah. That's why Tosefta comes and says, you can do it after. 
but you don't have to do it after. You can do it either way, as Shemuel said. Okay, so neither the Mishnah nor the Tosefta are, are, are absolute proofs or disproofs. They're ambiguous. And we end up with two versions of Shemuel. The Halacha is like the first version, even though we don't have Kolon Pesach today. After we eat the last Masa, we do not have any other dessert. We just, uh, you just have a, have a drink of water or tea or something like that. Next topic. This isn't that going to be the halachat nowadays. Masa nowadays is still a, considered a misvah de oraita. Maror, however, is only obligatory mid de rabanan. Why? Maror, it says you have to eat right the Koman Pesach together with Masot and, and, and Merorim. In other words, you're gonna make a sandwich, you're gonna make a lafa, right? Lafa sandwich, and you put the, the Koman Pesach like a shawarma, and you put the lettuce there, the herbs as uh as a part of the sandwich. So Pesach yesh maror. When you have Koban Pesach, then it makes sense to have maror with it. But if you have no meat in your sandwich, what are you just going to have a lettuce sandwich? Doesn't make any sense. So therefore, um, the maror is dependent on Korban Pesach. And that's why nowadays the rabbi said, okay, eat maror. So we have a feeling of it. So we eat the bitter taste. But really, midoraita depends on Korban Pesach. That's why maror is a banan. Hold on. Then you should say the same thing for Masot. It's the same Pasuk, right? That you eat the Koran Pesach with Masa and Maror, right? You're making using that uh, the soft uh, Masa to wrap it up. Uh, so, you know, what are you going to wrap? Nothing? The answer is Masot has another Pasuk, a different Pasuk in Shemot Yudbet. Right, the first pasuk we had was from Bemidbar. So in Exodus 12, 18, it says, This night, you have to eat masot. And that's independent of a korban. So that's how we learned that masat is itself the oraita. There's no equivalent pasuk for maror like that. Uh, Rabacha disagrees with Rabah. He says, both masa and maror nowadays are midrabanan. Only when you have a korban pesach, then you make a sandwich with both. Otherwise, we do it only as a, as a, in, in memory of, but that's only the Rabbanan. Okay, question to Rav Acha, what about that Pasuk from Shemot that says, at night you eat Masot? There you go, that's a separate a separate commandment to eat Masa, right? He needs that for someone who was impure or was far away and cannot do Korban Pesach. So what should he do? He's not doing Korban Pesach that month, He'll do it. He'll do it next month, Pesach Sheni. What does he do? He has to eat masa, even though he doesn't have korban Pesach. That's what it's talking about. But it's not talking about um, nowadays when there's no bet mikdash at all. Nowadays it's rabbanan. Because I might have thought that since he's not eating korban Pesach that he would not eat Masa Maror at all. Therefore, it teaches us that since potentially he could have Korban Pesach if he was close by, so he still has to have, he still has to have, he still has to have Masa. But we nowadays, we can't, there's no possibility for us to do it. And therefore, we do not have to, we do not eat Masa or Maror mid oraita. That's Ravacha. Okay, Ravah Amar Lecha, Ravaz says, I don't need this pasuk from Ba'erev Tochelu Masot from Shemot 
to tell me that someone who is far away or Tameh has to eat Masa. I can learn that from Adel or Ben Nechal, someone who's uncircumcised or who is not Jewish, they have to eat Masa nevertheless, because it says any, anyone who's uncircumcised um, will not eat it, meaning the Korban Pesach. So why does it say specifically Bo? It only, he, can, he only cannot eat Korban Pesach, but he should eat Masa and Maror. So there you go. Since uh, someone who was uncircumcised must eat Masa and Maror, therefore someone who is impure and far away also has the Masa and Maror. I can learn it from Arel, and that leaves over the word, the Pasuk, to teach me about uh, nowadays. Okay, now Ravacha. What about Ravacha? Well, how come you don't learn it from there? How come you don't learn from Arel? He would say, you know what? I actually need both. I can't learn one from the other. Because on the one hand, Arel, he, he can never do Korban Pesach. The one who's Tameh, only that, that time, but he can do it a month later. So maybe you'd say Arel is worse. Or on the other hand, since the, the, he's gonna, the one who's Tameh is going to do it a month later, so he'll eat Masa then. He doesn't have to eat it now, but the Arel is not going to do it a month later either. So maybe he does have to eat. So each one has a reason why they would need to eat or not eat. And therefore, I need two Pesukim. One for Arel, that he eats Masa Maror, and another one for Tameh and Derech that they eat Masot. And, um, and so according to the Bacha, we need both of them. And therefore, there is no Pasuk left over for to teach us that nowadays when there's no better mikdash that we need to 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 have it. So therefore, according to Ravacha, nowadays both Basamarod are the Rabbanan. But according to Rava, Masa nowadays is Deoraita. Okay, we have a Braita that's gonna back up Rava, Tanya Kivate de Rava. Okay, this pasuk from Devarim is actually a very curious pasuk. It's somewhat difficult to understand because it says six days you should be masot, and on the seventh day that will be aseret. The seventh day, just like the seventh day of, uh, of Pesach, is called aseret. That's its own holiday, Shemini aseret. Here, the seventh day of Pesach is uh, you know, part of Chag Masot, but it's called aseret because it's the last day, kind of the stopping day. So according to this, it sounds like you would eat masot for six days, but you would not eat masot on the seventh day. But, you know, we don't actually do that. We, we have to eat masah. You know, there's no mitzvah. You don't have to eat it. But if you're going to eat any, if you're going to eat, you know, a, a, a wheat product, it has to be masah on all seven days. So this is, in fact, uh, quite curious. Um, my father-in-law explains this, that this is an expansion of the Ten Commandments. Uh, here in, uh, in in Devarim, right? You have the Ten Commandments in the, in chapter five. The whole rest of Devarim, as Rabbi Shamus is an expansion of it, and this one specifically is expanding Shabbat. So just like Shabbat is a special holy day, so too all the holidays are holy days. And therefore, when it's telling you about Pesach, it's giving you the same formulation as Shabbat. Six days you work, and seventh day is Shabbat. So to here, six days, and then the seventh day is the last one. So that's the reason why it's formulated in this way. But not to, not to mean that you don't that you don't eat uh, uh, masa on the last day. Okay, so um, that I think that's a good explanation. Here's what the Gemara does with it: Just like on the seventh day, the point is that you don't have to eat masa. If you want to, you can, but you cannot just you say, "I don't feel like eating masa today." You don't have to. Only on the first night you have to eat masa. So that's what we learn. Just like the first day, the last day, you don't have to eat masa. So to all six days, you do not have to eat masa. My tama, have a davar shahiyah bichlal, ve'asamin ha'kilal lamed. 
לא ללמד על עצמו יסר, אלא ללמד על הכלל כולו יסר, because this is, fit, this is within a uh, generalization, the generalization is that on, on Pesach, on Chag HaMasot, you eat Masah, but this one now we're excluding the seventh day. If we're excluding that one day, it's not teaching it, teaching it for itself, but rather teaching the whole generality that you don't have to eat that whole time, right? It's like, you know, we know you have to eat at some point, but you don't have to eat on the seventh day. So what about everything in between? Okay, so right now we're at, we're going to learn from the seventh day to all other six days that you do not have to eat masa. Now, where, what do we go do with the first night? So should we extend the seventh day law all the way to the first night and you never have to eat masa? Okay, now we bring that pasuk from Bemidbar that we started off with, with the, when you have Koban Pesach, you have to eat Masa with it. Fine, that's only if you actually have a Koban Pesach, when the Bet HaMitash is up. Therefore, the other pasuk in Shemot says that this night you eat Masot, and that is an obligation on that night, but not during the rest of the, the rest of the seven days. So there you go. So there's a, this uh, whole, uh, this whole baraita is a, a dialectic going back and forth. When do you have to, when do you not have to? And the conclusion is exactly the same as Rava, even the Pisukim uh, that, it, that it cites, just uh, the, the, this baraita as the first one that leaves off, leaves off, leaves off with no, never, you never have to have it. But then, when you have Korban Pesach, and then Bayev Tochel Masot adds in, even when there's no better Mikdash. And so that is the final halacha l'maseh, the, um, that eating masa nowadays is the oraita, but maror is midder banan. Okay, next Mishnah. Yashenu miksatan yochelu. Okay, they would have a long meal, you know, they would go, go for a long time telling the story. And in the meantime, people are eating this big meal and, and drinking wine, so people might fall asleep. Okay, so if only a few fall, people fall asleep, that's fine, as long as there's somebody awake that continues. So, you know, this guy takes a nap, he wakes up, someone else takes a nap. As long as there's someone at the table the whole time, they can continue the meal and come back and keep eating. However, if everybody falls asleep all at the same time, then the meal ends, right? There's nobody that's, uh, that's keeping it going. And in that case, they cannot continue eating. They got to go uh, just right to Birkat Amazon and finish, uh, and finish up. Okay, that is Tanakama. Rabbi Yoseh Omer, Nitanamenu Yochelu, Nidemu Lo Yochelu. I'm going to explain this according to Rambam, who says that Rabbi Yoseh is more lenient than Tanakama. And he says, if they just are dozed off, even if everybody dozed off, that's fine, right? Just a, a light doze, they're just, a, you know, um, that's okay. And they can continue the meal. If they really fell asleep, like into a deep sleep, then they cannot, right? If everybody did. Uh, so that's adding to it. You can also interpret this, the uh, Rashbam interprets this today is more machmir, but I think this way is easy to understand. Another halacha, that Korban Pesach, after midnight, makes your hands tameh. Uh, now, anytime you see hand tumah, you know that's midrabanan, because midraraita, either your whole body is tameh or not. So the rabbis imposed an, uh, a level of tumah because they want to keep people away from eating Koban Pesach, from Chasot on. How do you tell, how do you do that? If you just tell them, don't eat it after Chasot, maybe they'll eat it, maybe they won't, they'll try. But if you tell them your hands will be Tameh, then everybody will run away. Because, you know, Tumah is, uh, is, uh, 
uh, taboo. Uh, so the rabbi said, do not have it after, do, do not touch it even after midnight, and then certainly you will not, you will not eat it. And similarly, not only Korban Pesach, but all year round, anytime an animal becomes pigul, meaning the Kohen had the wrong intention when he was uh, sacrificing it, he intended that he was going to eat it uh, at the wrong time, or any notad, Korban Pesach is one example, but any Korban that you have is uh, past overdue, uh, past its time that you're allowed to eat it, those you're not allowed to eat, obviously. The rabbis came and said, they also make your hands tameh. In other words, there's an extra gezerah, even though midda with strict punishment, if you eat pigol notad, is very bad. But uh, the rabbis wanted to add an extra level, and by keep pe- people keeping their hands off of it, it would make very clear that this is off limits and do not eat it. That's the Mishnah. Gemara. Rabbi Yosei Omed Nitnamenu Yochelu, Nirdemu Lo Yochelu. Hechidame Mitnanem. Rabbi Yosei, according to Rabbi, was more lenient, and he said, if you just dozed off, even if everybody dozed off, that's okay. It's just a, just a small nap. So what does that mean? How do you define dozing versus sleeping? He's asleep, but not totally asleep. He's awake, but not totally awake. He's somewhere in between sleeping and, and awake. If you call his name, he'll answer. Yeah, 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 right? But if you ask him a question, he won't, he won't give you a straight answer. So he's kind of in a, in, in a, in a daze. He'll you know, mumble, mumble something, uh, some nonsense. Um, but if you afterwards you ask him, he says, "Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. I was like listening the whole time what you said." Uh, okay, so we, you know, we know uh, we know what that looks like, um, especially after a meal, right? People get into that into that zone. So that's called just dozing, and uh, that's fine. You can continue the meal even after that. Abaye havaya tev Story. Abaye was sitting before his teacher Raba, and he saw that Raba was dozing off. And he said, well, are you sleeping? I'm not sleeping. I'm just dozing. And Rabbi continued and quoted the Mishnah and said, if you only dozed, I can, you can continue. If you fell asleep totally, you can't. So the fact that he was able to quote the Mishnah, even in his, in his, uh, in his, uh, during his nap, shows that he was only dozing and uh, not fully asleep. So therefore he was permitted to continue eating. You have to say, according to this explanation, Abaya was not actually eating with him because if Abaya was, uh, was awake the whole time, then it wouldn't be a problem. Abaya must have eaten somewhere else. And then he's, uh, he's, uh, he came in and visited or coming home because Abaya was, was uh, brought up by Abaya was a stepfather. Okay, uh, so if you touch the Korban Pesach after Chasot, then it makes your hands Tameh. That means that after the, the, the deadline for eating, eating uh, Korban Pesach is midnight. Now you don't even have until the morning, according to this, right? Because otherwise you could eat it all night. Mantana, um, so who is the opinion that says, there's Machloket about this. So who is the opinion that says, you can only eat Korban Pesach until midnight. The Pasuk itself says that you have to eat the Korban Pesach on this night, which if you just left that alone, it would sound like the whole night. But Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah Omer, 
נאמר להלן עברתי בארץ מצרים בלילה הזה. Another פסוק in Shemot says, uh, I will pass uh, through ארץ מצרים on this night, uh, talking about מכת בכורות. So when did מכת בכורות strike exactly? מה להלן עד חסות, אף כאן עד חסות. מכת בכורות hit at midnight, right? That's when the firstborn were killed. So בלילה הזה, הזה specifies midnight. And therefore it says when you have to eat the קורבן פסח, בלילה הזה, doesn't mean you eat the whole thing at, at one, in one minute at midnight. It means you have from the beginning of the night until midnight. And so that's how we learn from that גזרה שווה. That's how Rabbi Elazar ben Azayar learns that you have to eat the Qurban Pesach before midnight. Rabbi Akiva disagreed. And he says you can eat, eat it the whole night. How does he know you can eat it the whole night? Because it says you have to eat the Qurban Pesach uh, in haste. Well, what do you mean in haste? In haste means at the time that you're hurrying up. They were hurrying up to leave. When did Mesel actually leave Mitzrayim? At, in the morning, right? In the morning at, at, uh, at dawn. So at night, they were hiding out in their houses until the makat bechorot happened, terrible screams and all that. The first light of morning, that's when they went in haste. So therefore, since it says you have to eat it in haste, it means you can eat it all night until the time that they actually had to leave. So that's to be Akiva's proof that you can eat it the whole night. So we have a question now, right? Rabbi Akiva asks, um, so Rabbi Akiba then continues to explain himself. So why do I say Balayla? Torah says you should eat it at night because most other Kodashim, let's say you bring it during the day, you can eat it during that day and you could eat it that night. So I might have thought that Kobam Pesach I'm bringing at 3 p.m. right on the, on the 14th. I might have thought I can eat it during that day and also at night. No, Koban Pesach is different. Even though you're preparing it during the day, you can only eat it once it gets dark. That's when the, uh, that's when the obligation begins to actually eat it. Okay. Very good, Rabbi Akiva. You explained the word Balayla, but how about the Balayla Hazeh, right? Which Rabbi Allah ben Aziah said, that means midnight. What are you going to do with that, Rabbi Akiva, if you say it's the whole night? Oh, this coming to exclude another night. I might have thought that I can eat the Koban Pesach for two nights. Why would I think that? Well, Koban Pesach is a lighter, as a lesser sanctity, right? Things that are of higher sanctity have to eat in the Bet HaMikdash itself for a short time. But things that are lower sanctity, like if I just bring a Korban Shelamim, a Korban Toda, and those things I can take and I can eat them anywhere in Jerusalem, and I can eat them the day that I bring it, the night afterwards, and the next day, the entire next day. That's the usual. Now, Korban Pesach, you just told me is different because I can only start eating it at night. I might have thought that I should have the same three time periods, so the night, and then the next day, and then the second night also. That's what I might have thought. So Rebbe Akiva says, that's what Basuk says, Halayla, Hazeh, this night only, and you have to finish it by sunrise, and you cannot take it, eat it afterwards. Okim lelot bimkom yamim lelot echad hazeh. I might have thought that we'll have the, we'll switch the days for the nights. On the usual Korban Shalamim, I can have day, night, day. Here I'm starting at night, so I might have think it's, thought it's night, day, night, and therefore the Pasuk says Hazeh only one night. 
So that's how Rabbi Akiva explains it. But Rabbi Allah ben Azayamar lecha mi lo totiru menu ad boker nafkaha. How's Rabbi Allah ben Azayamar going to learn this? How come, right? Why don't you say maybe it's uh, like Korban Shalamim and you could have it for three time periods, night, day, night. No, he learned this from the Pasuk that says you cannot leave any over until the morning. So in other words, you have to eat it all at night and you can't leave, leave it till the morning. So he has another Pasuk for that. All right, have Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, what do you do with that Pasuk? If the first pasuk didn't say, I might have thought that this pasuk is, do not leave any over till the morning, means the second morning. And those I could have it at night, the first night, the second, the, the first day, second night, and then I have to stop eating it before the second morning. I might have thought that. That's why I have to say, no, only one night and the first night, and then, and then the, I cannot have to stop eating it the in the uh, for the first morning, but it be alazad. What it be alazad going to respond to that? Amalecha kol echad kata boker boker ishon hu. Anytime it says boker, it always means the first day, right? When it when it whenever when it gets light, whenever it gets light, the first morning. I don't need halayla hazeh to teach me that. So for to be alazad ben azariah, he has a word halayla hazeh to teach me midnight, and that's uh, that's how he learns midnight. Okay, amarava achal masav esman hazeh achad chasot. So Rav says, what do we do nowadays when we don't have Korban Pesach? Do we apply the same law to the Masa? He says, yes. Um, if you ate my eating Masa nowadays after Chatzot, if you follow Rabbi Elazar you do not fulfill your obligation for Masa. So you have to treat Masa the same way you do Korban Pesach. We say, Pishita. We ask, isn't that obvious, Rava? Right, since uh, we're comparing Masa to Pesach, it should be obvious that uh, just like you cannot have Korban Pesach after Chasot, according to Bielazar, you can't have Masa either. How the tema ha apeke kera mehekesha kamashmalan dechi adere kera lemelta kaimaita adere. Or I might have thought that since we removed it from the hekesh, the hekesh was al Masot umerorim yochelu hu. That when you have Korban Pesach, then you eat Masah together with the Korban Pesach. And now when you don't have Korban Pesach, then you don't have to eat Masah. So I might have thought once I take it out, right, and I'm not comparing it to Korban Pesach anymore. And so how do you know you have to eat Masah from the other Pasuk? So since it's from a different Pasuk that's not related to Korban Pesach, I might have thought that it's a, it's a separate law. And you don't apply the laws of Pesach to Korban, to the Masah. And therefore, I can eat Masah the whole night. And it's not the same as Pesach. Therefore, Rava comes to teach me that even though I'm using a different pasuk, to tell us that we are required to eat masa even nowadays, and although the pasuk doesn't mention Pesach, once we reintroduce masa, we do bring in that other pasuk and say, even though there's no Korban Pesach, we still treat it like Korban Pesach, and you have to eat it, in fact, before midnight. Um, okay, we say you should be careful not to eat the masa. Um, after midnight, according to the opinion of Rabbi Allah ben, 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 ben Azariah. So uh, we should, you should check midnight and try to do it before, but after you eat that, you can stay up all night uh, singing if you like. Okay, the last halacha in the Mishnah said that um, if uh, any, any time during the year, any korban that becomes pigol and notar, if someone touches it, it makes their hands tameh. We saw this already uh, in the previous stuff that uh, there's a machlok between Rav Huna and Rav Chista. Why? 
Some once said this is because of the suspected Kohanim. Oh, the suspected Kohanim, if they didn't like somebody, they would, and they were preparing the Korban for them, they would have in mind the wrong intention to have the wrong time and make their Korban Pasul. They were like, you know, vengeful Kohanim. And so therefore, uh, they, might, they might be bad and do that. But if we make a law that says, if you touch a pigul, your hands become tameh, then the Kohanim will not do it, right? They might, they might ruin other people's korbanot out of spite, but they don't want their hands to be tameh. Even though all you have to do is nitilat yadaim, and then your hands are okay. So, but uh, it was protection enough. Um, the other says it's because of lazy Kohanim. Uh, that's why they said you become ta- be, your hands become tameh. Uh, so, but they, so they might be lazy and not eat it in time, but if their hands are going to become tameh, then they're going to make sure to eat it in time. Uh, okay, so another machloket is how much of the sacrifice will make your hands tameh. One says kezait, the amount that you're not allowed to eat of pigol and notad. And the other says kabesa, which is the usual amount of uh, what makes something anything tameh. Only something that's a kabesa of food can make can transfer tumah to other uh, to other items like your hands. Okay. So this this machloket, Rav Huna is not actually a, a machloket. They're not actually disagreeing with each other. They just uh, they're applying their categories to the two different laws. One of them is talking about pigul, and one of them is explaining why notar. How so? The one who's explaining why does pigul make your hands tameh? It's because of the suspicious kohanim, because they will have in mind that to make it pigul, being in the eating it in the wrong time, and that that will show their vengefulness. So that's talking about the uh, suspected priest to make sure they don't do it. That's where the rabbi said pigul makes your hands tameh. And the other uh, other amora, we don't know which is which, that said it's talking about notar. That's talking of that's referring to the lazy kohanim. The lazy kohanim will sit around and eat slowly, and then they will not eat the whole thing. And you're not allowed to leave anything over if you can. If you, you have to try to eat the whole thing, and so therefore to make them make sure that they won't be lazy and they won't leave notad, we say if you leave a notad, it'll make your hands tameh, and that'll frighten them uh, so that they eat more quickly. So they actually are in agreement. And regarding the other machloket, chadamar kezayit vechadamar kabesa, man damar kezayit ki isuro, man damar kabesa ki tumato. If you say it's a, that's a kezayit worth, then what we're focusing is on the amount that you're not allowed to eat. Since we want to make sure that they eat all that notar, but they eat the whole koban and don't leave any notar, so how much will make your hands tameh? A kezayit, the amount that you would be prohibited to eat. So that would make sure to eat, make, make, make them eat. The other opinion says, since we're using the laws of Tuman Tahara uh, for this purpose, we should follow the general restrictions of Tuman Tahara, which is that um, uh, uh, the minimum amount for one thing to make something else Tameh, uh, if it's food, is a kabesa. And so we do the same thing here. All right. And uh, finally, last Mishnah, Berach, Berkata Pesach, Patar et Shel Zevach. Berach et Shel Zevach, Lo Patar et Shel Pesach, Debrer bi Ishmael. Right. We have two korbanot that we bring uh, on, uh, on the Seder night. One is the Korban Pesach, the other one is the Korban Chagiga of the 14th. We bring it on the 14th and we eat it together. With the Korban Pesach, we eat the Korban Chagiga first to, to, so that we become, uh, so we're not so ravenous, and then we eat the Korban Pesach. Each one 
has its own beracha. The one for Pesach is and the other one we say so they have two different berachot. Now, what if you said the beracha on Pesach uh, first? Then that's okay. You fulfilled the obligation uh, on uh, on the zevach. The zevach is kind of uh, included within. It's just helping out the korban Pesach, so that's okay. But if you said the beracha on the zevach first, then you did not fulfill the. You have to say the beracha on the Pesach afterwards because the Pesach is special, it's a special kind, and so it requires its own beracha. Um, okay, similar to the way if you say Adama first, then it fulfills Ayetz, but not the other way around. That's the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Akiva Omer, lo zo poteret zo, but lo zo poteret zo. No, these are two independent korbanot, and you say Baracha on one, and you say Baracha on the other. It doesn't matter. Neither one can, can fulfill the other. That's the Mishnah. If you analyze this closely, you will find the following. The reason why one would be included in the other has to do with their preparation. And so uh, the Korban Pesach, you have to pour. And so pouring, you have to come very close and actually, you know, pour it carefully onto the Mizbeach, the blood of the Korban Pesach. And so Zerika is a more general, just throw it. So if you did pouring of the Chagiga, then you would fulfill it because Pouring is even better than throwing, right? You did even you did it in an even more careful way, and that's the reason why, um, if you do, uh, if you say the beracha of Pesach, you fulfill the zevach also because that's uh, it's included within it. But shefiha is not included in in zedika. In other words, if you would sprinkle or throw the blood of the korban Pesach, no good because that's not a form of shefiha, and that's why you, the, the Pesach will require its own beracha. Okay, it's interesting that it's comparing the beracha when you're eating it with how you prepared it. There are the opinions that say, maybe it's talking about the beracha that you say when you sprinkle it. Okay, so that could be also. But anyway, there, uh, there, you know, what, which one is included in the other is the general um, category we're looking for. The Debrede Biakiva, that was Bishmel. According to Biakiva, that says each one needs its own beracha. He would say lo shevicha bichlal zedika, lo zedika bichlal shevicha. These are two independent ways of applying the blood to the mizbeach, and you have to do the right way. If it says shevicha, you need to do that. If it says zedika, you need to do that. And if you do, if you switch it around, they are different. One is not included within the other, and therefore each is in the independent korban, and you have to say a beracha on both independently. And we end with a story about Pijon Haben. Rabbi Simlai ikla le Pijon Haben. One time Rabbi Simlai went to a Pijon Haben. Uh, this seems to be a non sequitur. Like, where, where, from where to where are we talking about this? Um, maybe it applies to Korban Pesach, which we just talked about, Makat Bechorot. And uh, the reason why we do Pinyon Aben is because the firstborn of Israel were, in fact, saved at that time, and they have holiness. And so therefore they need to be redeemed. So maybe this is actually a thematic ending as well. Uh, anyway, Baumine, Pishita, but the reason why I bring it here directly is because of a question about Berachot. When you have two Berachot, and which one do you say? So Pishita, Everybody knows it's obvious that the Beracha about Pijon Aben itself, the father has to do it because it's the father's obligation to redeem his son. Good. So the father will obviously say that Beracha. Question is, 
Kohen Mebarech, or Avia Ben Mebarech, who should say Shechayanu? The Kohen who's receiving the money, maybe he should say Baracha because he's getting money, right? And he's, in, he's involved in a mitzvah. Uh, so he's very happy. Or maybe it's the father that says it, since he's performing the main part of the mitzvah, just like whenever you do any mitzvah, take Lulav for the first time, uh, you, you say Shechayanu. Uh, so too, the father should say it uh, in this case. That was the question. Should the Kohen say it because he is deriving benefit? Anytime you do something that's going to give you happiness, you know, new suit or something, he's getting five coins, he's involved in, he's involved in this mitzvah, so he gets benefit, he should say it. Or the father of the, uh, of the, of the child, he's the one who's actually obligated and fulfilling his mitzvah obligation. Samlai just came as a guest. And they bombard him with this question, but he didn't know the answer. But he didn't give up. He went to the Bet Midrash to ask. And I'm not going to read the last two lines because you can read that on your own when you do the siyum. But when he asks the question, the, the answer is going to be that the father should say both Berachot, both Hashikadishanu and Shechianu, because after all, it is his, uh, his, his mitzvah to, uh, to do, to accomplish. Um, so we'll leave off, uh, we'll leave off the, at the end, but I uh, want to express chazak, uh, for making it all the way to the end of the Masechet, and I uh, hope you all will join me for uh, the study of the next one as we go to Masechet Shekalim. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.